Hello, and welcome to On the Horizon. This podcast is an extension of Horizon Church, a relationally driven, socially conscious, Jesus-centered church located in the heart of Towson, Maryland. We're recording today from Dean Studios. Thank you, Bryce. My name is Beth McDonald. I'm your host today, and we are going to be talking with Horizon's speaking team. We have five preachers in the house. <laughs> so it, everybody's going to be talking, I'm sure. We're going to be speaking about speaking. But we have Kara Cousineau, Mark Stevenson, Ryan Casey, and Tom Sanko. Hey, guys. Welcome. Hey. Thanks, Thanks. for having us. So why don't you go around and tell us who you live with and wh- <laughs> how do you spend your days? How's that? Kara, you want to start Do off? I get to start? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm Kara Cousineau. I live with my husband, Brian, who many of you know um, as the carpenter, and our two precious kiddos that are our foster children. Um, whose names I will not mention online, but um, we run a construction company. Brian's a general contractor. So during the day, I'm chasing our 16-month-old around and also keeping our business up and running. And he is very talented. He is talented. He is. He does really good work. Yeah. Yeah, but that's because his good wife is. <laughs> I know. I feel like <laughs> he gets all the accolades to see the, the good stuff he does. Yeah. but and I know someone's got to keep the books. Yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah, that's yeah. important. So that's my, that's my day to day. Yeah, <laughs> good. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm, Tom. Yeah, I'm Tom Sanco. Uh, I live with my wife. Uh, Rhonda and uh, I work in the healthcare industry. I work with uh, uh, people with diabetes and um, have a non a uh, uh, for profit corporation out of Boston. Uh, my wife Rhonda does uh, is executive director of Araminta, and um, so I spend my day usually in front of the computer. And um, so it's really great to get out here and, and do something with people with mm-hmm. live human right. beings. <laughs> good, good. This is fun. Okay. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, my name's Ryan, and I'm married to Kira, who is an incredible teacher in the city. Uh, we have two dogs that we share our home with and uh, still have a friend who lives in the basement, so that's who I live with. <laughs> <laughs> the Russian rocket himself, Andy, has been with me for longer than Kira has. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's true. Well, that Andy gets a shout-out. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, he's a great roommate. And then, uh, yeah, I, I work for Horizon, so I spend a lot of my time doing a variety of activities, um, not always in front of a computer, sometimes in front of a computer, and usually six different things in one day. But Yeah, That's and I'm, I'm Mark Stevenson. I'm Ryan's co-pastor, and I live with Missy, uh, who is a Towson University professor. She would not want to be called a professor. She would want to be called an instructor, and then... Mm-hmm. She would go on to explain how professor mm-hmm. takes tenure and a lot more work, and she would downplay <laughs> the fact that she's a professor. <laughs> but she's at Towson University, and then we have three kids, uh, two boys and a girl, 10, 7, and 4. And no pets, thank the Lord. <laughs> and one day we will probably get a dog. <laughs> I've got one for you if you Oh, <laughs> so generous of you. You've got Tom. three, right? I've got three. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my first question is, and this is more for Kara and Tom, since you yeah. guys kind of have to preach. Yeah. It's part of your job, <laughs> right? It's true. it's true. We get to. You <laughs> get to preach. Sorry. I'll, I'll say You have get to, to preach. <laughs> um, why did you guys say yes when, when Mark or Ryan approached you about speaking at Horizon? Do you remember when it was and why you said yes? 
I actually, I was begging them, <laughs> and, and they said yes. So, yeah, I, I kind of had a need for, you know, a, a, a disease of undelivered speech. Mm. And, um, uh, I mean, I was a pastor before and, and spoke all the time, and right. so uh, it had been many years. And uh, so I kept begging them until they finally said, yeah, we'll give you a shot. You that's, missed, not, that's not how I remember that. That's not the whole I'm, I'm pretty story. sure we were asking. Yeah. I want to hear the backstory. Yeah. The real story is that we yeah. asked Tom, and he basically said, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> not ever. Not ever. And then we waited about six months and asked yeah. again. And he was like, Meh. Yeah, we could see it softening. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then about six months after that, he came to us and said, I think I'm ready now. So. Yeah. I think that's great. That's my retelling of yeah. how it actually That's happened. how I remember it. <laughs> there may be some too. truth to that. <laughs> that's funny because I remember um, – Mark asking me and saying no. Yeah, I, I feel and like that's the, the main answer. And I think you answer. asked me yeah. maybe First. twice, and I said no. Right. And then I sensed there was at some point I was praying, mm. and the Lord said, if he asks you again, you're to say yes. Mm. <laughs> and I didn't say anything. And then eventually, you, for whatever reason, this you asked again. This is good to know. There's and a pattern I said, here. That's why I said yes. Three no's and a yes. yes. That seems to be what's going on. <laughs> Actually, I, for Kara, I think that it, it was, m- was maybe it some similarity. Similar? Well, some I'm, hesitation. I'm, on, I, I'm honestly trying to remember because <laughs> I don't even remember what year I started, let alone how it came about. <laughs> but I, I did say no. I know that I said no. Right. And then maybe said no again. And then eventually, I was like, "If they're not gonna, they're not gonna stop until we say yes." Yes. I, a lot of it was Araminta, so I, mm, yeah. I had that's to, right. We had seen you yeah. Yeah. teach. In teach. Two, okay. 2014, I think I had the opportunity to see you present. At Gosh, Araminta. she's so yeah. gifted. Yeah. yeah. So that's when and it was like, we we need to get Carol. Yeah. Speak Just for the listeners, Araminta is a ministry uh, or a nonprofit that works to stop trafficking of minors in Baltimore and the state of Maryland mm-hmm. and does education and helps mentor survivors coming out and, and so because we've it's, mentioned Araminta a couple times I yeah but even even yeah. being yeah. on staff with Araminta and and public speaking all the time and giving those presentations the idea of doing sermons was still I still said no to you even yeah. though my job was to speak <laughs> yeah. to large groups um, because it just felt so different mm-hmm. And it is so different. And I think it's interesting that everybody said no because I think the people who say no are probably the most prepared for it yeah. to some degree yeah. because they understand the weight of it. Well, some of it, too, is you guys set a high bar. I mean, I would rather listen to you than, <laughs> than actually do it. Yeah, so. That's true. That's true. We've, you know, we've had really good – let me say this. In the past, we've had speakers that were great at, like, speeches and other forms of yeah. public speaking who were terrible preachers mm-hmm. uh, because it is a different thing yeah. and and you don't really it's hard to explain mm-hmm. the difference right. but the one of the differences what ryan mentioned i think is the weight of it is a little different i remember um the first time i spoke i um steve and i were in thus in the room where our sanctuary for lack of a better room a uh, yeah. better name but we were in the room by ourselves and he looked at me and he said i can't wait to see who god's going to bring this morning and I immediately panicked <laughs> because I was ready to go and I knew it was important. I knew it was heavy, but I was like, oh, people are actually coming to be fed. Mm. Like God is bringing those people here. This is a whole new level. <laughs> do you do any of you remember your first time you preached? Not 
taught oh, yeah. or spoke yeah. or preached. Yep. Tell me about that. I I mean, at that point, it had been maybe like a year in the making mm. of like preparation, mm. practice runs, um, you know, Mark and Ryan giving me very loose parameters and being like, put together a sermon and present <laughs> it to the two of us. And yeah. So it, I, I honestly think it had been like a year before I was actually going to be on stage in front of people. Okay. Um, and I, that morning, I just remember I had so many, I was at peace with it and I knew, you know, it had been affirmed in many ways that, that this is something I should do. But I still, I think, had these doubts of who am I to be up on that stage with my past and my lack of credentials and I never went to seminary and Mm -hmm. all of these things and I and I'm a young woman and I don't know what people are going to think and half of the people out there probably think women shouldn't even be up on stage let alone me of all people and so I just had this like doubt I guess just doubt about myself Mm -hmm. and I went into the sanctuary where First Lutheran had already had their church service right. for the day and it was abandoned and there was crumpled up tissues and all of this everywhere. And I just had this moment with God, like, I don't know if this is a huge mistake or what. Mm. So this might be a one and done. And I remember <laughs> that being my, like, I told them yes to one and I, I can say that I did it yeah. and that's it. And on the floor, someone from the first Lutheran service had like discarded, like with these crumpled up tissues and all of that was a handwritten note with a verse on it. Um, that I will keep to myself, but the verse very clearly affirmed that God had called me to this and this was not a mistake and that I was not a mistake and I lost it and then pulled it together and (laughs) walked out and was like, okay, guys, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. That's amazing. And she killed it. It was amazing. But (laughs) I just, I mean, up until five minutes beforehand, I thought there's no way I'm meant to do this. And so it was very clearly like How very, kind. very few times in life does God yeah. literally hand you a note yeah. saying this yeah. is what I'm, yeah. but like yeah. it had happened that way. Mm. How kind of the mm-hmm. Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm. I kept it. I still yeah. have that little index card with the handwritten wow. verse. Yeah. I keep it in as a reminder. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's so good. How about, how about Mark or Ryan, you guys? Do you remember your first time? Yeah. I, you know, one of the. I'm sure there's lots of benefits to, to being a part of a, of a large church, but one of the benefits of growing up in a small Baptist church <laughs> is that the youth group gets to do things oh, and take sure. over certain Sunday mornings. Sundays, yeah. So growing up, we always got to take over the Sunday where we came back from camp. We got to take over the Sunday that was uh, Good Friday. We did what was called a ten embrace service. And there were a few Sundays throughout the year. And uh, so I remember one of my first times speaking – was as a like a high school kid and i don't know why the pastor wouldn't let that happen but <laughs> <laughs> terribly unwise but, but um and then in college a few times i would come home and, and he would let me speak um so i was very young and i got to speak at different places in high school like in my uh there was like a group that met for prayer in the morning mm-hmm. and they let me like speak a couple times there mm-hmm. I was like a junior, senior. So I don't remember like the exact one moment. Right. I just remember there was a there was a small church environment that I was a part of that actually, and we try to replicate this at Horizon, but it 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 it, it like allowed for someone not to be perfectly polished. Right. Before they were given a chance to contribute. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's good. I I I I think I did a couple like five minute things in my home church, like you know on youth Sundays. 
but I really feel like the first time I gave a real sermon was at Horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we did not have the standards <laughs> or the preparation that you guys, I don't know that I would have been accepted if I had to jump through the hoops <laughs> that you guys jumped through. Um, there was a void a little bit beyond Mark at, at the church. You know, Mark was doing most of the teaching at Horizon and like, uh, and then we were kind of filling in with people who were giving it a try, I think. And, and, you know, with various success. And yeah. Can I, can I just yeah, sure. explain that situation? So, so, um, I, I helped to plant the church in 2004 with another co-pastor. He went to plant another church in Arizona in 2006. And there were, so from 2006 to when Ryan showed up in 2007, hmm. there was like a, like a gap where it right. was me and then just anyone else. That, you know, that, that <laughs> anyone who and we tried a lot of people. We had one sermon series that was like six different people. Got wow. Out there, you know? mm. Four of them never did it again, ever, <laughs> ever. They're like, they would come up to me with the, you know, wide eyes. Yeah. Saying, I will never do that again. <laughs> um, so there was a lot of like trying that out, getting speakers out there. But then when mm-hmm. Ryan came in. Yeah. I came on leadership in Je- December of 2006 and then in J- January 2007 was my first sermon series. And I had this idea for a sermon series. So they let me kind of run with what I was like thinking. So, yeah. um, and I, I really like the first series, I think it went. I really enjoyed it. I don't know if anybody got anything out of it, but I felt like it was a different I, – I, I've mostly done 10 to 15-minute Young Life talks or, sure. like, hour-long kind of group – like, leading group dynamics, which is probably my sweet spot of, like, leading, right. facilitating those kind of conversations. But this was the first time, and I remember I wrote it all out because I was, like – it was, like, 25 minutes of content. is just a lot. <laughs> and uh, and then, like, I remember that series went fairly well because it was this idea that I had been, like, thinking about for a long time. And then the next series was, like, oh, this is really hard. Like, like Mark had the idea for the series and I'm like, how do I give a sermon on like a topic right. that's handed to me? Right. And like, and I, you know, it was a very different process and very, really difficult for me to kind of like Which turn is, that corner. It's a lot harder to preach yeah. someone else's topic. Absolutely. Than your own. Yeah. Yeah. Twice as hard. I had a really different experience. <laughs> so I, the first time I ever preached was in 1977 Man, and awesome. it was at First Baptist Church of Catoosa, Oklahoma. Oh, I love and, it. Uh, yeah, and it was kind of a small town, but it was a medium-sized church. And uh, I was leading music because I was uh, also in college as a music major, although I flunked out of that. But um, I was leading music, and I felt the call from God to become a, a full-time minister. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so Pastor Glenn gave me the chance to speak. And my background had been stand-up comedy and performance, musician, oh, really? and those okay. kind of things. And so I, I don't remember anything about what I preached. I remember that I was on fire. <laughs> I was on fire. I was, I love I it. was there. Yeah. And afterwards, everybody came up to me and they go, oh, man, Tom, that was so good. We laughed. We cried. It was better than cats. However, next time you preach, if you could work in the Bible. <laughs> awesome. So I think it was, it was fairly miserable from a spiritual standpoint. Uh, but it was entertaining. Yeah. It was yeah. That's right. So you said you felt called to preach. What what did that look like? What does that mean? I was sitting up in the choir loft, and I I felt uh, a voice saying to me, um, "I've called you into full time ministry." Wow. And my response was, "Oh, I thought I kind of was here because I'm leading the music and I'm working." And then this only the second time in my life I ever heard what I believe was an audio audible voice. Mm. And I think it was God who said to me, I'm not talking about music. Mm. I'm talking about ministry. Mm. And it broke me right then. And I I went, you know, Baptist 
invitation, you know, <laughs> just as I am. Praying, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I went to the altar and yeah. said, and just cried and wept wow. and said, wow. God, he's got something for me in ministry. Right, huh. right. Yeah. What a great story. Yeah. That's really cool. Good days. Yeah, yeah, really good days. So Mark and Ryan, you guys are so generous about sharing the pulpit, and we've alluded yeah. to this a little bit. Mark, Eager. Ryan, theater of the mind, Ryan is shaking his head no. <laughs> I'm happy to share that. <laughs> Mark would me. preach every day of his life if he could. That's right. Um, why share? Hmm. And, and then what do you look for? That's a great question. I mean, I, I think right off the bat is um, – I just think Mark and I know how limited, I mean, we're very different as people, but we're both white males in like the same age bracket. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's a very limited perspective mm-hmm. on a very big gospel, yeah. you know? And I think that like, uh, I think from the beginning we were just very aware, especially when we get into certain topics where we're like, man, we are so not qualified to add insight to some of the things that we're trying to, to walk in. So I think maybe it started with, in the sense of like, how can we get other voices to share this missing gap in our, you know, in our way of looking at scripture? But then I think part of it is that, like, man, there was just so many people who have so many good things to say in our community. I think this podcast is awesome because most of them aren't going to want to give a sermon. Right. You know, so right. there's a lot of ways to get truth out there. But some are really gifted communicators. And I think it's a mix of, like, looking for someone who's, like, a really gifted communicator but obviously has, like, a depth of something mm-hmm. to say. Because I think, like, to your point, some people can get up and, and do something very comical or they can, they can put on a performance a little bit. But to have, like, substance to say, I, they look at Scripture and they see something that 90% of the people sitting out there don't just pick up from their own quiet times, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a rare, like, gift. And I think the people who stick with it, the people that we ask to keep coming back, they have insight into scripture that I, I, it's not the way I see it. You know, it's like, it's amazing. It opens my eyes a little bit. And I think we would both say that, that you all provide a perspective that is unique and deep and like enriches our lives. Yeah. And I think insight is the word we tried early on many iterations of getting other people up there that are volunteers. And we tried, you know, people that, like I said, had some kind of public communication experience but that wasn't the key because like i said we had people up there that just bombed even though they had lots of public communication Mm -hmm. and then we were like okay we need people that are like invested in the community and we tried that approach without any training or any like preparation and it was like throwing people into the deep end and watching them drown for a little bit (laughs) until they could like learn how to swim and then even with that there were some there were some things there that didn't work and so over time for me personally there were there were some things I started to notice like, yes, you have to be able to get up in front of a group of people and have the ability to communicate. That was, that was an essential, but what was lacking in some of the people that we had up there was insight. And I couldn't, so I could teach what I realized was cause I spent like a year trying to do this with, with a particular person in, in, at horizon in the past. Um, I could teach a lot of things. Like I could teach, um, how to prepare a sermon, how to study for one, um, how to deliver one. Like I could, I could teach all those things and then help them practice those things, but I couldn't teach insight. Hmm. Like I couldn't teach looking at the scriptures and basically having like the spirit illuminate them for you and like have, have them come alive to you. I could, there's, I couldn't, that's not something I could impart. And so that's more of something that the person just has to have just from their own life and experience. And, as it's one of those things too that in all the parts of Horizon we try to um, 
If you sit back and only watch the professionals do their thing, it communicates the message that the church is where you go and pay professionals to do their mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Right. Instead, if you have a, a lot of people who are not the quote-unquote paid professionals doing things, leading worship, speaking, running the sound in the back, or whatever, leading small groups, if then, then it communicates, as a community, it communicates, this is the body of Christ. This is the church. Mm-hmm. And we can all go do this. And when you graduate college, you can go do this. Like, you know, right. to the college student that's right. there for a while, and they see all of us up there, then they leave and expect that the next church that they go to, they could be on the speaking team. They could be delivering the sermon. They could be leading worship. And I want them to believe that. I don't want them to go to the next church and say, oh, well, it's the paid professionals that do that. Uh You know, guys, I, I. I think you're, you've been so generous to open the pulpit. I, I agree. I'll just be truthful. I don't think I would have been much more stingy. Uh, I was much more stingy <laughs> about releasing the pulpit, and I, I really honor that. And, and Kara, I want you to know, I'll never forget your first sermon hmm. when mm-hmm. you spoke. You told a story about your dad. And hmm. I was crying. And <laughs> so I was just, I. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was such inspiration because you came out of real substance. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Thanks, Tom. Powerful. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Well, let me say this about Mark. I, I, I think he is really uniquely gifted at training. And you guys have all benefited yes. from this. Like, yeah. And so have I. Like, at training people to speak well and to helping people do their best. Like, I, I feel like um, I, if, if I'm good at anything, it's like almost playing something by ear. Like, I don't know why it's good. I just know that it works. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I think Mark can systematically break down why right. that worked. Right. <laughs> like, and I've, I, I remember him teaching somebody, like, you did this, and Ryan has this, and it, like, he does this thing that does this, and this is why it works. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that's why it worked. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, and then he's, like, helping the person kind of craft what right. m- what they are good at yeah. and what they're unique at. So, like, that training process has been really fun for me to watch. I've learned how to speak better even being a part of that mm-hmm. training process because mm-hmm. Mark is so good at seeing the angles and understanding why things really work and like uh or didn't work yeah or didn't work yeah <laughs> absolutely but We've like all benefited yeah from that. absolutely yeah mark why don't you what, what does the training look like that's evolved mm-hmm. um so i think what it looks like now is i recommend a couple books uh the homiletical plot by eugene lowry real light reading yeah <laughs> the homiletical plot yeah <laughs> it's it's lighter than it sounds it's a thin book yeah is it okay i, I, just read it. You haven't read it? I, I, I missed the training right. <laughs> that's awesome. it's it's basically the subtitle is uh preaching as narrative art form and so yeah. it's this idea that that there should be tension in the sermon just like there's like tension a story in any story um, and then the other one that I benefit from it from my preaching classes was by Barbara Brown Taylor. Uh, she wrote a book called The Preaching Life that was really powerful yeah. for me, which not only looks at how to preach, but it looks how to live a life yeah. when you are a preacher, right. which is a kind of a holistic yeah. perspective on it, which is really powerful. So I recommend those two. I and love her, by the way, and will yeah. always be thankful to mm-hmm. you for introducing yeah. me to her. Yeah, she's and awesome. And her writing. Um. Then we sit down and kind of map out maybe like a process. I sit down with the person and map out like a process of how you go about crafting and studying and and looking at a passage of scripture and what the difference between a topical sermon is and an expository sermon and all that stuff. And then we then we kind of just assign a passage and there's no rhyme and reason for that. I usually, honestly, this is how it goes. I'm usually driving on the way to that lunch with the person, and I'm like, "All right, Lord, what are we doing?" <laughs> and like, the first scripture that comes to mind, I'm like, yeah. "That sounds good," and then I have them 
go for it and they craft a sermon off of that sometimes depending on where the person is with experience if, if it's very little experience i'll have them write out the sermon then do a second one where they actually craft it and preach it in front right. of me and ryan or if they have some experience then that first one they'll craft it and preach it and put the slides together and me and ryan will sit in an empty auditorium essentially yeah uh, which i think is far mm-hmm. harder to do it's than speak so to much harder yeah. Yeah. it's so much harder. and i don't think that the one you assigned me was so random because you guys <laughs> asked me to do my practice one on hannah <laughs> it totally a woman was with not. infertility it totally was yeah. not, had me no, do a sermon yeah, you, about hannah not. that <laughs> never got delivered to the church thank Mine god was a syrophoenician woman who well great couldn't get the crumbs That's from great. the table i'm so glad for you but my practice one didn't no. seem so randomly assigned. No. But they wanted to know, like, can you preach on things that are going yeah. to hit Honestly, too it close was, to home? No. It really but it was, actually was great. I mean, it was fine. It was not, like, targeted like uh-huh. that. I promise you it wasn't. But um, yeah. so that me and Ryan watch and listen. So we, we, we kind of were looking at, like, delivery, which there's a whole category of feedback on just delivery. Right. Yeah. Then there's content and... And then there's sort of slide creation. And those are like the three main areas of yeah. feedback that we give. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we, we get feedback from the, the person and how they're feeling. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then we try to find like if we all feel good about it, we try to find the next like sermon series that would fit well with them. Mm-hmm. And like Ryan is saying, we try to we try to launch the person into a sermon series that they it's like a topic that they're passionate about because that's easier to preach on. Right. So we try to find something that really fits. Eventually, after some of those, we we give them just put them in the rotation. The next yeah. one yeah. up, or and right. when yeah. it's the next one up, when it's yeah. the next topic up, that's a much harder thing to preach. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. just you know. Yeah, I, I remember specifically having doing like a Christmas series, probably Christmas of two thousand seven that year my first year preaching and we did like christmas carols and i just like i was <laughs> oh, terrible. No. I'm, I'm like not, not a christmas a guy christmas. i'm not like a, I, it was just bad it was just <laughs> and i was like i i think i need help on like you know with getting better at this it was it was pretty rough and that next year i set like a bunch of goals i started meeting with like pat goodman i had mm, people like critique my good. sermons yeah uh, because yeah yeah <laughs> i had a lot of room to improve that's good that's good um so can you think about like why did you get up and preach a second time Hmm. what was it because i know how hard it is Uh, for any of you what was it what happened that you're like i want to i think Mm -hmm. i want to do this again and honestly Mm. that's an indicator yeah because we've had i've had in the past i've had a number of people do it once and like i said say i'm not ever doing that again Yeah. yeah um and so the fact that that the folks in this room decided we're willing. Yeah. I want I want to do that again. Right. That's like a huge yeah. indicator. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know for me, I don't even know that it was I, I feel like I had a friend, Mike Lee, who was in the audience at the first time I spoke. Mm-hmm. And uh and afterwards he came up to me and he said, If you ever do anything with your life that doesn't involve teaching, you and I are gonna throw down. Because like there's mm-hmm. just you're supposed to be doing this. Wow. And like um and and I think about that every time I think about just being done with speaking. <laughs> you know I mean? like, um, I, I'm, I'm not even kidding. That like haunts yeah. my, but like in a good way. It's like, yeah, I know I'm built to be a teacher and I need to figure out how to do that with yeah. my life in a way that works with my life. And yeah. so like sermons really fit well in the season. But if I was to ever move on, I need to find an outlet because there's right. there's a burning in me, things that I want to share. Right. And, and I know that. I know that that's true of me. Um, 
so I feel like I feel you know this is like the outlet that God has given me to kind of like yeah. share what He's put on my heart. I it, I kind of I I've struggled a little bit. So uh, uh, when I was I was in uh, full time ministry for seventeen years, and uh, my wife Ron and I started a church in Dallas, and and uh, so I went from. Um, Sunday morning sermon, Sunday evening sermon, Wednesday night Bible study, one weekday mm. Bible study, right. and a radio broadcast every week. Wow. And preparing wow. for all of that and then going to a scenario here where it's once a quarter or mm-hmm. so, you know, mm-hmm. once every three or four months, you get to speak and it's on a topic that is already. So I've <laughs> kind of struggled a little bit mm. from how do I take the last 20 years <laughs> and cram it into right, right, <laughs> right. a 30-minute a yeah. yeah. uh, 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 sermon. Yeah. And uh, so it's been a real struggle. Yeah. Um, the last 20 years has been in, um, you know, uh, organizational uh, leader leadership. And so uh, my speaking has more been boardrooms and, mm. you know, presentation in front of groups and things like that. And so it's been a, it's been a difficult transition. Mm. And I just really appreciate Mark and Ryan kind of sticking through with me and Mm-hmm. Um, you know, finding a new a new way. Right, mm. right. Mm. How about you, Karen? I don't. I don't know. I was trying to remember when my first sermon was and how long mm-hmm. it was until my second one. And I think a, you know, a few months had gone by. I think the I think the decision for me had actually already been made before I got up on the stage. Mm-hmm. It was that five minutes right. in the sanctuary right. beforehand. Mm. From going, I have no business doing this to this will be the sign that I have called you right. to mm-hmm. this, that right. scripture. And I think I sort of knew before I got up on stage that this wasn't going to be a one and done because mm-hmm. that was the language that I had around it. Mm-hmm. And I think he had clearly, I think he had made that this. clear that yeah. like, no, this isn't a one and done yeah. change your heart because I'm not calling you to this once I'm calling mm-hmm. this. Right. You know, mm-hmm. right. I think Ryan touched on like the different perspectives that we who are not on staff tend to mm-hmm. give. And I think if I had to, ask myself like why would I be willing to do this over and over again because there are definitely times where I'm like I don't want to do this anymore Mm -hmm. like the spiritual attacks that come Mm -hmm. or the criticisms that can come and there's just been seasons where I'm like guys this is this is not fun and I'm not getting paid you are so good luck I don't want to do this anymore but I keep going back to um I think in the weeks that followed that first sermon even though I got affirmation from lots of people and that meant a lot, that was nice, but it was really the, like the young women mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who would reach out and say something um, or who came up to, mm-hmm. to yeah. talk to me right after the sermon. I think it was their faces and their stories and their life stage that kept reminding me like, I am, I am a needed presence. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly they need to hear from someone who looks like them. Right feels like them similar life stage um and so i think they're the ones who kept drawing me back up mm-hmm. there you know the amazing thing kara is that when you when we speak you don't know of course what god is doing in the lives of the people that are there and the mm-hmm. last time you spoke i was sitting there and i it was a good sermon i you know a lot of good things there but i was just kind of kind of going along with it and then all of a sudden, about two-thirds of the way through, I realized that my daughter, who was mm-hmm. sitting there, was continually crying mm-hmm. and weeping. Yeah. And I realized your sermon wasn't for me. It yeah. was for my daughter. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's the really beautiful thing. And yeah. I'm so glad to hear it's you precious. say that, you know, that there is this burning, uh, this need to yeah. be able to deliver. Because 
I just realized in that moment, we have a need of hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It's good stuff. I know Horizon has had women from I- as long as I've been there 10 years and there were women. I'm, I'm curious, was that? Yeah. Because Horizon's Roots was a Southern Baptist. So, yes. Yeah. Which, and so, it's kind of a thing right now. I've got this great story about you, okay. Beth, that I want to tell. Me? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <a> great story. <laughs> I, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church that didn't affirm women um, as preachers. Yeah. Uh, but uh, did affirm them as Sunday school leaders and youth leaders. And one of the p- people that had the biggest impact on my life was my youth leader that was a mom. Right. Right. Mm. And then I went off to college and I changed my view theologically uh, with some wrestling, mm-hmm. wrestling with the scriptures and wrestling with my professors. I was a Bible major at Messiah College. Ryan and I were roommates for a time <laughs> there at Messiah and uh, wrestled through that. And then, But it came out of college really like, no, I'm going to affirm. I need to affirm women in mm-hmm. every way possible. Um, and then I went to a seminary that did that. And so a lot of my seminary friends were men and women, Mm -hmm. and I saw how gifted they were. So for me personally, it was, I wanted to do this at Horizon, um, but it wasn't about, I'm going to be careful how I say this. It wasn't, theologically, it was coming out of a holiness tradition. Mm. It wasn't coming out of a progressive mainline Mm -hmm. tradition. Mm -hmm. So it was affirming women, not, not for equality, in the sense of like political equality, it was affirming women in the sense of the spirit. Yeah. It was affirming women out of the holiness tradition. They always affirmed right. women, but it was right. because what they saw was the Holy Spirit had gifted the entire mm. body of Christ with all these gifts, right. men and women. That's wonderful. So it was this interesting combination because I still had a very conservative theology, but I was affirming women out of this place of like seeing sure. the giftedness in them. And uh, the very first woman, so we had like, women that got up to speak like one time and didn't want to do it again. But the one that was most consistent uh, was a was a woman named Amy Maxwell. Mm-hmm. And we were still meeting in the theater. And she showed some like spunk and some <laughs> ability to like speak in front of other people. And I remember so, she was really good. I remember really good. when we first came, she mm-hmm. was in the rotation. And, yeah, and she was one of the first that we tried a onboarding process with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was one of the more first consistent women we had up yeah. there. And that, that went, I feel like that went really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we were sort of always keeping our eyes out for both men and women that seemed to have the skill sets and the giftedness. Um, but it did, it, we were planted by the Southern Baptist Convention originally. And we had oh. to move, we had to basically move away from that hmm. in order to continue to affirm what we were doing. Yeah. Um, and we didn't move away like in a rebellious way. Right. We kind of just said, hey, we're doing this and I hope that's OK. You know, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't like a yeah. we're going to, you know, yeah, no we're done with you. Yeah. It was more like, hey, here's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was from the get go. Right. Like, yeah. I, I know, yeah. Even before it was Horizon Towson, there was you know, that was always the expectation. Mm. Women yeah. and men on leadership and women right. and men speaking. Right. Yeah. Right. Which, uh, uh, you know, I came out of traditional. I didn't really, I didn't realize until I got to college that there were churches that didn't have women speaking. Mm. Like, you know, I, oh, I, I yeah, mm. I didn't even know that that was yeah. a, a thing. That was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big thing. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. was not aware. <laughs> so, my story about you, Beth, yeah. is one of the first sermons that you gave. Um, there was a young mom in the, in the church, and um, she came up to me right before the service 
And she said, um, so who's speaking today? Are you speaking? I said, no. Um, Beth McDonald is speaking. And like her eyes got big and her jaw dropped and she was like, um, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, Beth. And she was like, I don't think I'm okay with that. And she got really like uh, angry. Hmm. She came out of a tradition that didn't mm-hmm. affirm women. Uh, you preached, you did awesome as usual. And afterwards she came, the same young mom came up to me and she goes, um, can I get Beth's information? Cause I want her to mentor me. <laughs> <laughs> that was like her exact words. Aww. So like, amazing. <laughs> to me, what that shows is Ryan and I could have preached for a year mm-hmm. trying to convince people mm-hmm. to affirm women. Right. And it, we, I, we wouldn't have had that effect. Right. Like, and in a matter of 30 minutes, <laughs> literally 30 minutes, she went from anger mm-hmm. to, I want Beth to mentor me. Mm-hmm. Complete transformation. Absolutely. And now sort of complete affirmation mm. of not just you, but all the, you know, Karen, mm-hmm. all the yeah. women that we have speak. I really appreciate how affirming you guys are, how affirming horizon is of women in leadership and mm-hmm. taking positions. Cause I do think it's about having different voices and hearing different perspectives and um and i think it's great for the the kids in the audience in the congregation and the college students to Mm -hmm. see um women up there that i i could do that someday which i think is great and and even good for the young men Mm -hmm. um for my transition because i went through that transition from not affirming women in ministry to affirming women in ministry sure and part of it was um coming to terms with the fact that i have I do have things to learn from women to break out of the mold mm-hmm. of the only, the only kind of person I can learn from is from a, a man that has wisdom, you know, more than me and that sort of thing. Um, but that actually this woman up is speaking up here and I'm being as a man, mm-hmm. I'm being impacted um, is actually kind of a revelation <laughs> for a lot of young men. Like sure. um, it, it bumps women out of the category of you're either my mom or you're somebody that's a potential dating partner. Like most, like there's a lot of young guys that like have two categories essentially. Right. Uh, and <laughs> it's terrible, but it's true, you know, and it gives them another category of, oh, there are women I can learn from. Mm-hmm. And lead with and minister beside. And mm. well, that's great. I love that. Thanks, guys. We're going to divide this conversation into two parts. So this is the end of part one. Thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about Horizon Church, check out our website at horizontowson.com. We are a community where you will be loved and have opportunities to be loved. Thanks for joining us on the Horizon.